It's 12 o'clock noon in Los Angeles, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! Hello, all you folks out there. How are you? Good to see you. Um, I am very excited today because I'm going to interview somebody that I've known for like 10 years, and I hate to say it, but he's an adorable guy. I don't mean adorably cute. I mean, he's easy to adore because he's such a good good person with a great attitude. Um, and he wrote a book which has uh, inspired the title for today's show, So You Want to Become a Media Composer? And I am speaking, of course, of Mr. Adonis Oletras. Hello, Adonis. <laughs> he's holding up the... Uh... <laughs> there you go. All right, let me make sure. Let's stop clapping, you people. Hi, Adonis. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? It's, uh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been uh, quite a while since we chatted and it's, it's good to see you. Good, good, good uh, hearing your voice and, uh, and you have an infectious smile too, Michael. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's great to see you and uh, oh, I want to make sure the chat room is working. It's not moving. But, oh, well, they'll catch up with us. Uh, anyway, uh, Adonis sent me an email, probably pre-COVID, maybe a year before COVID, and uh, I'm going to read this email. This was part of my inspiration. I bumped into this email online, but it reminded me of another one I'll tell you about in a minute. So this one says, Dear Michael and everyone else, I joined Taxi seven to eight years ago. Through Taxi Forwards, many doors were opened for me. At the moment, I have over 2,000 queues signed across dozens of libraries and have thousands of placements on network and cable TV. I really can't give a specific number of placements, although we're going to talk about that later, uh, because it's impossible. I lost count years ago. Everybody would like to lose count. Uh, I've gathered enough credits, 100 plus US TV shows, that nowadays I do custom work for established Hollywood composers. Not bad for somebody living in Europe. That's true. That would be good for anybody living anywhere, Adonis. Um, at Taxi's Road Rally Convention, I met my lifelong friends and collaborators, Chuck Schlachter, John Mazet, Matt Hurt, and so many others. Composers, songwriters, lyricists, the list just goes on. At the last Road Rally, I mentored members for the first time, and without exception, I told every single one of them that Taxi, combined with hard work and tenacity, of course, works. Uh, signed, Adonis Electris. So, I saw that. I don't remember why I saw it or where I saw it, but I saw it. It popped up on my computer screen. I was probably looking for quotable quotes or something. And that reminded me of a time when Adonis, I can't remember if you called me or if you emailed me, but I remember that Greece and Cyprus were going through a, like a national bankruptcy period and money was just horribly tight for everybody. And you called me up and you were so sweet and so like you went from heartbroken to happy and effusive in the same call. And he said something that really resonated with me. And that is um, money has been so tight around our household because of the economic situation here that it's time for our little daughter to grow out of her crib and move into a big girl bed. And frankly, we couldn't afford one. And then as if an act of God, uh, a check showed up from my ASCAP or BMI quarterly payment and it paid for the bed and everything is great and it wouldn't have happened without taxi. And, and 
as I was telling Adonis before we went live on the show, that was one of three times where I had to shut the door to my office and have a little cry. You know, it's uh, it, it hit me right here, buddy. So. Thank you for telling me that story because I'll never forget it as long as I live. Well, it, it, it's all true. And uh, I, actually, I have twin daughters, so we had to buy, to buy two beds. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> How old are they now? They're teenagers with everything that goes with it. <laughs> I always say my daughters adored me until they turned 12 or 13, and then you get the... <sighs> The eye roll, the shoulder shrug, and you go from being their superhero dad to, um, oh well. It's, every day. <laughs> yep, it, it's every, every parent goes through it, especially dads in that regard. But, yeah, you know, yeah. because of your hard work uh, and dedication to the craft of composing, and your tenacity and all that stuff. I'm sure that you can buy them really nice beds now, so I'm very proud of you for that. You've earned it. Um, <laughs> did you always want to be a composer for a living? Uh, my career in music actually started uh, playing live. I'm a guitar player, and I've done it. I had done that once I was out of Berkeley. I started at the Berkeley College of Music, and I came back home. I I did the live scene for quite a bit, and uh, at some point, I I really got tired of all the uh, everything that has to go with uh, playing live. You know, setting up and rehearsing and 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 breaking down and, and equipment breaking down. Uh, at some point, we we had a regular gig, gig in a nightclub, and that nightclub uh, got burned down, and and Yikes. <laughs> we lost all. I know we lost uh, all our equipment and so much money into that uh, inferno and but I was always writing music and uh, not not uh, just just for my own just for the bands that I was playing in I was doing all the arrangements uh, and uh, also uh, doing some stuff of my own and um, uh, a dear friend of mine who was also who, who who always listened to music and he, he really liked what I was doing and, and many times he had uh, told me, you know, you have to get your music out there. You just can't keep your music uh, for the, just for the band or just for yourself or your, you know, your family. Just, just get, you have to get your music out there at some point. Um, and I guess I listened to him. <laughs> I don't regret ever listening to him because I wouldn't be where I am now if if, if I hadn't had that slight, you know, push to that that one bit of a encouragement that somebody needs uh, at some stage in, in their career to to say, okay, you know, maybe if one person likes my music, maybe they, they and, and it's not my wife or my daughters, then then maybe there is something to it, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> So um, then I, I started doing it more often and more often, and then there was taxi and all, the, all sorts of other things that happened, and uh, here I am now doing it the whole time. It's an amazing story because, because of where you live. I mean, it would be amazing without that, but it's more amazing because Cyprus is a tiny little island. Um, 
One of the reasons that I'm thrilled to be doing this show uh, with Adonis is because we're in the same time zone this week. Um, I'm about an hour away from him by airplane right now, and uh, so I had already had the idea to invite him to be on the show, and then I realized I was going to be over in his neighborhood, so I thought it'd be perfect. But Cyprus is tiny. I mean, it, it's like the state of New Jersey is way bigger than Cyprus. <laughs> so... Um, I, the fact that you're succeeding as a, a globally, um, I don't know if you're globally, I'm, I'm sure you may not get stopped in the shopping mall, but you're a globally heard artist making music and, and composer. I, I was going to ask you later about the number, but you mentioned this number before we went live and we were just catching up for old time's sake. Did I understand you correctly when you said that you've had eight to nine million performances of your music per year? That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. The last uh, three years, uh, it's been up there. Yeah, yeah. Up there? I mean, eight to nine million is astronomically up there. That's incredible. Good for you, man. That's Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, most people, I'm sure a lot of people watching this is like, that's it, I'm out, I give up, I'll never catch up with that dude. But uh, but you know what? Ten years ago, you weren't there either. Yeah. You know, you were, I remember you, you were full of enthusiasm um, and probably your best trait was your willingness to work hard at it. You didn't expect anybody to hand it out to you and look at you now. Wow. Um, Thank you. So. Thank you very much. And at the time that you wrote this email, which was probably two or three years ago, you had 2,000 cues signed across dozens of libraries. Has that number gone up as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, I, I've slowed down uh, quite a bit uh, writing exclusively for, for libraries because now I, I get to do actual uh, t TV shows. But um, I've never, ever stopped writing library music. Uh, the, the great thing about writing library music is that you can do it anytime you want at your own leisure. There's usually no deadlines, no, no one forcing you to... Uh, uh, to be like you know uh, if you don't do it uh, if we don't beat the deadline then we're gonna lose the gig it, 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 library music is not like that at all and I know many many people even good friends of mine who do write specifically for library music and they have a, they, they make a very nice comfortable living uh, doing it and they just it doesn't even feel like a job and it shouldn't feel like a job because right. you're doing what you love you know and uh but yeah i i still write i i'm probably up to close to uh 2600 now uh i i stopped counting like you said before i i don't <laughs> it, it, it's impossible to keep track anymore <laughs> well in a little bit we're going to talk about that uh the transition going from a guy who made library music to a guy who's now composing for specific TV shows. And I'm sure that our audience is going to be very interested to hear how that happened and sure. what it's like to do that. Um, did you join Taxi 
to become a rock star or to become a composer? I joined Taxi, uh, as I said before, my, my that good dear friend of mine who told me to get my music out there, I joined Taxi to get my music out there. At the time, I had no clue what I was doing. I was, uh, I was, I was just, uh, I, I just needed to write, to, to get the music out there. And, and uh, at the time, Taxi seemed like uh, the, the perfect vehicle to, to, to help me to do it. Um, it's, uh, it, I felt that, uh, especially living in Cyprus, that, and with, uh, with all the wonderful uh, avenues that the internet was opening at the time, we're talking 10 years ago, you know, uh, with all those wonderful things happening, I felt that uh, if, since I cannot move away uh, from Cyprus and leave my family and I'm going to stay in Cyprus and that will be my base, I will need the, the vehicle, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> to help me get my music out there. and. Uh, it uh i did my due diligence i looked around and and taxis seemed the, the perfect uh, uh place to do that and uh uh i joined uh i i tried in the beginning uh, you know writing for the listings and 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 uh, doing the best job i could it it didn't happen overnight and i want to stress that i cannot stress that enough that it does not happen overnight there is a learning curve. Uh, there's, there's production chops have to get up to a certain level, and uh, um, there's uh, there's also an art to 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 reading the, the the briefs and understanding what what the clients require of you, and that was a learning curve for me as well. And it's it's it, it definitely is for many people who try to get into uh, writing and, and trying to be become media composers we're in the service business we're we, we servicing other people's music needs and once the the, the better we become at, uh, at understanding those needs then the sooner and of course being able to, to fulfilling those needs with our music right. then the, the faster uh, the, the doors open and it, it took me six or seven months of trial and error with taxi but i got the first forwards then the first signings and then i got encouraged even more much more so than when my friend was telling me just get your music out there because not um it, it wasn't just the music getting out there now it was out there but it was actually getting signed yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I was it, I was doing something right, you know, and 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 that that was so encouraging to me, and uh, then more uh, more listings. I I tried. Uh, I wrote more. I got rejected more. I got forwarded more. I got forwarded even more. I got rejected even more. But <laughs> it didn't stop me ever, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's uh, the the my numbers kept going up. More signings, more placements, even more signings, even more placements. It's it's almost like uh, it, it's it's a snowball effect. You have to think right. of it like that. 
You know, it's funny. Um, a lot of people join Taxi thinking that they love their music so much, they're very talented, and they probably are, and they anticipate that they're going to make a few submissions, and they hold on to the old paradigm of like getting discovered by one, you know, cigar smoking record executive. I'm going to make you a star, kid. And, and they wait for that moment and it doesn't happen. They don't understand. What you're describing is exactly what all of your other successful taxi members have, have realized and gone through, which is uh, write, submit, forget, and repeat. You know, I mean, that's. It, that statement or that phrase was developed by taxi members for a reason, and you did it perfectly. Um, and it's so heartwarming because I've known you since you were a puppy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's uh, I, I to this day I, I still hold on to that the right submit forget repeat. I it'll, I. You know, um, it's there's. I, I cannot think of another way to to to, to convince people. There, there is another way. There is another way. You you really have to write. You really have to repeat, submit, get your music out there. Like my friend told me 50 million years ago, get your music out there. <laughs> don't don't just do it for yourself. You know, if you want to work in media, you have to get your music out there. So if it means joining taxi, if it means traveling to go to a different country, to go to a music conference like the Road Rally or, or, or the, the ASCAP show, the ASCAP uh, or the BMI uh, conferences, there's so many wonderful places where you can get your music out there and, uh, and have people listen to, you, to, to your music. Because what good does it do to you if your music sits idle on a hard drive? Right. And, and you know what? Most music on hard drives is incomplete. Um, and, and there's a reason that uh, Stephen Pressfield, the author, um, made an observation, which I think is so right on the money, which is people that leave stuff on their hard drive and don't get it out there, it, it's not complete. Therefore, it can't be judged and it can't be turned down. I'm working on a song right now. It's awesome. Nobody will ever hear it, so they can't judge it and tell me that it's not awesome. So it takes a lot of bravery to start completing stuff and giving it to somebody and knowing full well that you're going to get judged. They're either going to go, it's good enough, I want it, or it's not right, and I don't. And that, that, that's a tough line to cross. Well, I more and and you uh, one thing I've learned over the years is that you really really have to develop a, a, a thick skin and one is you have to develop a, a thick skin and not take anything personally um, because nine out of ten times you're probably gonna hear a no that, than a yes <laughs> obviously for me it wasn't nine out of ten it was probably five out of ten <laughs> but still I to this day to this day I get I get uh, knows I get rejections. I and I, I don't mind one bit. I it's, I'm I'm always thinking uh, the next time I'm gonna do one better. I'm not uh, I'm not gonna let this uh, break my heart. I, I do not get attached to any of the music that I write because uh, the the moment you start attaching yourself and your feelings to to whatever it is you do, then the moment you get rejected, it's gonna hurt you. And 
you, you, I cannot afford to, 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 to get hurt. I, I just want, okay, this didn't work. I'm going to write another one. I'm going to write another one. I'll do another one. And what and a then great attitude. The, it, as, yeah. And uh, the, the other thing is um, you have to be uh, open and, and gracious towards criticism. Very, I, I cannot stress that enough that uh, not taking anything personally and opening yourself to, to, to hearing other people's opinion of why, if you're lucky enough to get someone, someone's opinion on why whatever you submitted did not work, uh, then I'm all for it because there's there's no other way to learn this is not the stuff they teach in school there is no right. it, school is so kind school is so kind the industry is not kind at all <laughs> they didn't have a class on Ber on developing thick skin at berkeley <laughs> i don't think they have such a class anywhere in the world you know because you have to it has to happen to you it has to happen to you and the more times it happens to you then the thicker the skin you develop that's how it works wow maybe i should do a taxi tv on growing thick skin i think i'm gonna do that <laughs> um i remember the first time you came to a road rally you came running up to me and i think you threw your arms around me i'm so happy to meet you i'm so happy to be here you were off the charts with enthusiasm and all I could think of is this guy's from a tiny little island off the coast of Greece. He's flown like seven or 8,000 miles to come here. He knows nobody here. And within three hours, I saw you hanging out with like Chuck Schlachter and uh, Matt Hurt and the boys. And uh, it's just having the courage to come that far and spend that kind of money. I'm sure that plane ticket was like a thousand to two thousand dollars and the hotels what a hundred and thirty or a hundred and fifty a night. So, you know, that was an expense and it, and it could have been the case where you got off the plane, walked in the hotel and went, oh my God, this is a letdown. These people aren't, uh, they're not friendly, they're not helpful, there's no sense of community. <clears throat> you found all that to be not true and uh, integrated yourself perfectly. So um, I, that's another part of you I'll never forget is, is the look on your face, the sheer joy in that first moment when I met you at the road rally. The, the only way to describe it was just that right there. That face was what I saw. <laughs> um, how long did it take you to start earning your full income as a composer? Like where, okay, I can support my family now doing nothing but making music. Uh, okay. Since joining Taxi, I would say uh, uh, say four years. I um, like I said, it, it was a gradual process. It wasn't something that uh, happened overnight. And uh, a, a lot of times, especially with with backend payments, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, it, even though something may get let, let's say what well, uh, uh, I have uh, a queue on a TV show tonight, which I probably do. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you uh, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let Let's say if if it gets played tonight, it doesn't necessarily mean that I, you you will get paid tomorrow tomorrow morning. 
<laughs> I'm shocked. Uh, it takes. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes uh, um, over a year to see any any of uh, any of that money uh, coming through. And uh, this has nothing to do with. Uh, it, it's just the way things work with uh, BMI and ASCAP and PRS and all those uh, the the so-called PROs, the performing rights organizations. That that's how it works. Uh, th that's one uh, uh, one uh, thing to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is that uh, uh, the the way that the, the PROs get notified is it's from the the, the TV stations who actually uh, send in the cue sheets uh, that uh, your music has been uh, included in. And if there's any delay on their behalf, then it, it's. <laughs> The, the delay gets carried on to the, the PROs. The PROs then have to do all the administrative work. So it's not it's not a, a process that uh, uh, just again it doesn't happen overnight. Now, over the years, all this stuff starts accumulating, and it's a trickle effect that uh, again the, the snowball effect that I said before that it gets bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger, and then it comes to a point that it reaches a plateau, and then you know pretty much every quarter how much money you will be expecting from uh, the the quarterly pay payments. Uh, but again, it takes years to be a, to to come to that level. And that I'm um, speaking on behalf of many of the other successful composers that I know as well. Absolutely, every one of you tells that same story exactly like you just told it. Uh, although I've got to say, if it only took you four years to get to the point where you were starting to make uh, regular income to where you support, could support your family, that was pretty quick. Most people take five to ten. So, but I know that's because of your commitment and, and you, you just have a ton of energy. Nothing was going to stop you. That was obvious when I met you at the road rally, and, and after you quit hugging me and walked away <laughs> i remember thinking nothing's gonna stop that guy he's just got he, you're like a, a truck full of gravel rolling downhill with no brakes you know you were gonna succeed one way or the other thank you thank you so much i i wrote so much music i spent so much time in, in this in where, where you sit here where, where you look right now i i mean Okay, I'll be honest with you. Now I have back problems because of <laughs> all this time I've, I've spent in the studio. But uh, I, I just wrote so much music, and I'm not uh, right. I'm not referring just to the music that actually got signed, because a lot of a lot of that stuff never got signed and never got used, and it, and it probably never never will. But it, it, it was all part of the of my process and uh, I'm not saying that everybody should 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 follow that process but in, in my case it, it, it worked it, and and the, the, the tenacity and the devotion and, and, and the endless hours of trying out things and recording and writing and submitting and, and, and repeating the whole process it just worked for me well obviously it worked well so you just mentioned uh earlier that you don't do much production music anymore <clears throat> that you've transitioned into composing scores for tv shows which i think is something that virtually every music library composer would love to transition into so 
can you tell us how that happened, where, you know, yeah, how that came about, and then we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of, like, day-to-day workflow and stuff. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, in my travels to the United States and uh, at... Uh, uh, Cheers. <laughs> at, at the road rally, I've, I've met some very interesting people, uh, established composers, composers who were just uh, either like me or uh, uh, a few steps above me or established composers. I, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be very um, revealing in terms of names and uh, uh, actual uh, details. Yeah. <clears throat> Please, details. I would prefer that you're not, just because people watch this that aren't taxi members. They're not always. Uh, they don't always have the best industry etiquette. So yeah, don't drop any names. Please. <laughs> oh no, you froze. Yeah, I won't. Okay, you're there. Good. Uh, so. Uh, all right. Good. Uh, the. Um, some of those people that I met, uh, I kept in touch over the years, and uh, when they needed uh, when they needed help, I, re I reached out to them. Of course, it wasn't uh, just because you met somebody; it doesn't mean that they were going to give you work right away. You have to establish trust. Right, or ever, yeah. Or ever, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that that trust was was established with me uh, coming, uh, giving music to them, and uh, uh, proving that I could I could actually do it. Uh, one of those uh, one of those guys who uh, uh, offered me work at at some in the very beginning. This actually this is a great story because it was like he he sent me a bunch of cues and he's like. Uh, can you do more of these? And when I listened to those cues, they were brutal, man. I mean, <laughs> it was <laughs> brutal, brutally good. Uh, yeah, brutally good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, how can I ever do this? <laughs> you should ask my wife. I went, I went home that night, and I'm like, there's no way I can pull this off. There's no <laughs> way I can pull it off. <laughs> But I, I did, and and I sent those cues back. I mean, my version of the cues that I was sent, and uh, the guy was like, "Okay, you, you got the job. Uh, let's let's do an episode together there, together." And then an, an episode became two episodes, and then um, two episodes became three episodes. That's how uh, trust is established when you when you're in the trenches with someone and you prove that you can meet the deadlines and you can actually produce what they're asking you to do. And I was shocked to learn that oftentimes people who are composers of one TV show are then offered another TV show because everybody wants to hire somebody who's currently busy because that lends credibility. So now the first composer on that show who's probably the original composer that did the pilot has to either turn down the work on the second show or say yes, because you never want to turn down work. And that's where you get the phone call. It's like, hey, I've got more work than I can do on this show. So they start incorporating you slowly. Um, 
to work with that work with the lead composer and that's how the relationship grew uh yeah pretty much um you know you have to realize that uh like you said a, a lot of those people who the especially the los the the la based composers uh they the competition is so fierce it's uh, it's amazingly fierce and they once they're offered a gig they will not turn it down they, they would rather hire three or four other guys either on their team uh, i mean in-house uh, at their studio or have people like me doing doing it remotely uh and they they, of course, it's their name, but it doesn't matter to me because uh, you know you, you get paid. Plus, you get put on the on on the cue sheet, and you get back end as well. Which, yep. uh, it, yeah, of course, yeah. So um, the it, it's uh, it's it's a win win situation for everybody. Now, one thing, another thing that has worked in my favor over the years is that because I live in Europe, because I live in Cyprus, and the uh, we live in different time zones. It, it means that um, uh, the 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 people in Los Angeles can go to sleep while I, I work. Right. Yeah. So it's it's an ongoing process that that never stops. <laughs> uh, it, it, they get twice as much work done with me or. Uh, probably other European composers working at the time that they're resting, that, that they need to get their sleep, they need to be with their families. So um, the it, it's uh, while I work, they rest. When I rest, they work. So it it, it pretty much uh, um, it, it's it's a good uh, situation for everyone to be in. It's funny uh, that you mentioned and, that because, uh, as we said before, when go ahead yeah as uh the yeah the it the successful composers they they sometimes they get so much on their plate that it's impossible for them to give to to keep up um especially with reality tv shows that are wall-to-wall -wall with music they, it's just humanly impossible for for one person to to be able to to pull that off so you need help uh and you, you have to give up something in order to uh, you need to give up 50% of something to, to have a hundred percent of something else you know Absolutely. so in, and that hundred yeah that that hundred percent being the, the the gig so they will say they will go to the producers and say no of course I'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> give me more give me more <laughs> so people like me and hopefully other people get hired because of that um, I have a very close friend named Adam Zelkind. I don't know if you've ever met him or not, but uh, at one point he had five shows that he was composing before reality shows used library music. He would actually score top to bottom full episodes and he was doing five shows at once. He damn near physically killed himself from exhaustion. Yeah. Made a ton of money, but was just <laughs> exhausted. I mean, he made a a lot of money. Um, so now let's talk yeah, I, about. I met Adam actually. Oh, okay. Uh, how? Yeah. Let Let's talk about how scoring for episodic TV is different than creating music for libraries. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a good uh, um, uh, point to uh, to get across. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, library music you do it at your leisure. You can do it at your leisure. Um, I mean, there's usually there's no deadlines with library music. Uh, uh, of course, still the the. Um, the quality is, especially nowadays, the quality is just as good. I'm not. I'm not uh, going to uh, going to say that it, one is better than the other. It's no, not not at all. It's just that when uh, when you write um, music for uh, episodic TV for, for for TV show TV shows, first of all, you're part of a team, and whether that team is the lead composer or his other composers and yourself. The first thing that usually happens is that you have to have a common template in at uh, so so that the the music has a unifying quality to it. I mean, we pretty much have the same libraries. We have uh, uh, we we even have same presets that we use in in many of uh, of the shows. Uh, so getting having uh, uh, having uh, establishing. Um, identical templates or near identical templates is it's is very important and you have to be able right away to 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 either purchase the libraries that are going to be used uh, if you don't have them already you're going to have to be able to to get them and put them in your rig immediately learn as fast as you can because some of that stuff you just can't you, you, you just can't rely on the presets all the time you have to do tweaking to get to get to get it to sound like everyone else uh, so you're establishing templates and and you work in con conjunction with the team you're not by yourself that's a huge difference another difference is that um, uh, there's always deadlines and uh, uh, I'm gonna use again the, the word that I used before the word brutal the <laughs> The deadlines sound be <laughs> sometimes can be very brutal, and there is really no excuse if you cannot make the deadline. There, there isn't. You could be sick, you could be dying. If you're part of the team and the lead composer has to deliver at a certain date, then the whole team has to deliver with him or her. There's no. You, you cannot back out. So once you not not there, even not even during COVID. Well, <laughs> I'm surprised. It's like I've got COVID. They're intubating me now in the hospital, putting me on the respirator. Doesn't matter. Deadlines tomorrow at noon. <laughs> A good friend of mine who lives, you know, with episodic TV, death is not even an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so yeah. so tell us. I'm curious. Do more than yeah. one of you work on the same cue, or, or do you guys look at a show and go, okay, so this hour of television has 57 cues. I'm just pulling a number out of thin air right now. So you're going to do a third, he'll do a third, and she'll do a third. And is that how it's broken up, or do multiple people work on the same cue? How does it go? There's, uh, uh, it works in, 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 in different ways. Uh, one way is that uh, 
let's say you have a, a 40 minute episode uh, I might get the, the first half or the second half and the lead composer or whoever else is on the team will get the half that I'm not getting I could be given the entire episode uh, and usually when I give an either half or entire or even 10 minutes of something it's me doing it it's not someone else I'm not working on a cue with someone else I, it's my music uh, that of course, if I get asked to, to revise something, I would gladly revise something. Or if the lead composer feels that they need to, some, to add something on top of something that I did, then, of course, it goes without saying that it will happen. Of course, another thing that might happen is that my cues might get rejected, and I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So... Is there a, I'm sure there's a sonic identity to the show. Um, so you and the lead composer have to be simpatico and you would almost have to think, like husbands and wives that have been married a long time, you know how your wife is gonna answer a question oftentimes or how she might react to something. So when you're writing, you are writing in the style that the lead composer would write in if they had time yeah and uh, a lot of times and this is uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked that a, a lot of times the producers of the shows send us music ahead of time that they, they feel ah. uh, music that we haven't written that is from other composers that they feel are a good fit for the show um when i met an example before that i was given 12 cues to, to listen to and make something out of them that, that was exactly the case Wow, interesting. Um, and I never knew that. I, I learned something, you know, to all those times I think, oh, I've interviewed so many people. I know everything. I don't know everything. And I just learned something from you, which is it is important for you guys, meaning guys, gals, whomever, uh, that are the composers, to have virtually identical libraries of sounds because you can't have like a really... Um, you know, something that sounds really strident, like one cue is strings that are recorded close and they sound strident and the room doesn't have a lot of reverb and, and the next cue that comes up is very lush and not strident and got a lot of natural reverb in the room. So that would seem inconsistent. It would get your attention, which is you don't want the music to get your attention, you want it to enhance the scene. So you guys really have to think about that. So do you talk to the other composer and say, okay, I'm getting ready to do my half of the show. Which strings did you use? Or which orchestral percussion did you use? Or which synth patches did you use? Do, do those discussions take place? Yeah, those discussions take place uh, before we, we record our, uh, our first note. Because like, like I said, the, the, we have to be consistent. The, consist the consistency needs to be throughout. Uh, and uh, if, if at any point in the process uh, anyone feels that uh, there's deviation from that consistency, then uh, it, it, it's something that needs to be addressed immediately because 
uh, once the the cues are out the door and they they, they go to the editing bay of, 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 of the editors and the producers and they will hear that inconsistency and and they will they will immediately <laughs> slap your wrist and say hey well, what's going on you know fortunately wow. this hasn't happened to me or to, to us or to any team that I worked in uh, but it, it's it's a situation that is always always uh, worked out before the first note gets recorded Interesting. Um, and are you at a point with, let's say you're working with somebody who's the lead composer, they were on the show before you got brought in, are you given the ability to say, hey, Mr. Lead Composer, my friend, my co-worker, um, that cue you sent over, it's not as good as the other stuff. C can you also... Um, encourage them to improve <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it's not for me to say I mean it, if the producers are happy with what uh, what we sent them then it's it's it, it's their call it's not really mine uh, and uh, ultimately if if again as I said before we're in the service business we we need to make sure that whoever is on the, the the receiving end is happy with what it has nothing to do with how I feel about some even with my music it really has nothing to do with right. how I feel about it it's how they feel about it does the the best two works words you can hear from a producer uh, or a director of, of of a movie or a TV show it's it's just two simple words when, when we're a composer. And those words are, it works. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. great. So um, I'll yeah, go ahead. If it works for them, then it works for us. That's, that's all I can say. Absolutely. Um, right before I left on this trip, um, I was cleaning up my office a little bit so I didn't come home to a mess when I get back. And I picked up a stack of books, and your book was on the top of the pile. Um, I'd actually held it up for, yeah, grab it. Um, maybe it was during the road rally I held it up. So you want to become a media composer. And what's cool about it is you went out and interviewed a bunch of top-line working composers. They're, all, they're not necessarily famous names that the average person on the street would know, like John Williams or Hans Zimmer. But these are all well-paid, highly credible, very professional people, composers, who have their music on some incredible uh, TV shows and films. So when you told me you were doing this project, I thought to myself, he's so smart because I started the taxi newsletter because somebody said to me, if an A&R person at a record label won't return your phone call, leave a, a message with their assistant saying you want to interview them and everybody will call back for an interview. <laughs> and so I thought you were brilliant to call up and say, hey, I'm writing a book and I'm interviewing and all you have to do is get the first one and then you say to the second one, so-and-so did it. And they go, okay, how's Tuesday afternoon at three? So all that said, is there like a common thing that you noticed about all these successful composers? Do they all have a personality trait in common? Do they all have 
a work ethic in common uh, or were they just born so talented right out of their mommy's tummies that they were destined to be great <laughs> what did you notice okay I, I, I'll tell you uh, uh, what almost all of them said is that uh, nine out of ten times talent has nothing to do with it nothing to do with it yeah um, of course there's something talent has something to do with it but um, uh, talents without um, uh, well like we said before getting the music out there getting yourself out there putting yourself out there and and, and uh, basically um, never saying no to any opportunity that comes your way and and, and, and doing it as, 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 as much as possible, then you, your talent will shine through because talent without all those things that I mentioned before, it's like being buried six feet under, you know? And um, uh, most of those people say that, uh, that I mean, obviously all of them are talented uh, to, be, uh, to be able to do what they do successfully there is a, a great element of talent uh, in in everything that they do. Mm -hmm. Having said that, though, um, most of them uh, would argue and say that uh, they've uh, they, they let's say they've done tons of free demos, tons of them. They wrote library music. They honed their their the chops. Uh, in in many ways, they, they they wrote music for student projects. They uh, they wrote and they still write every day, and that's that's one thing. Going back to what I said before, that I was writing every day. I still do, of course. But you, you know, writing music, it's it it, it it it's like the athletes. You it, it there's a muscle that there's there's a muscle that we, you have to work on it. To, to, to get yourself to the point that you actually become competitive. That's how athletes do it. And that's how we, we do it. And all of these people have been writing for many years and they still write every day to this day. So that was a common thread to all of them. All of them, they, they keep saying that. Another thing that, that keeps coming up in the book the whole time is uh, about um, approaching the, the whole uh, um, whole idea of being a composer, not in the romantic idea. Ooh, I'm a, 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 a music composer, but approaching it, <laughs> approaching it as a business. You have to see it as a business. You have to learn about contracts. You have to learn how to be in a room with people and behave like a business person. You have to. Um, uh, especially those people who are in Hollywood you know Hollywood is politics <laughs> nothing else and and the people who get who get work they they get for one person that gets work there's 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 200 others that don't and they easily. Just, uh, they're just easily yeah yeah and they're just as good they're just as talented yeah but uh, yeah and and uh, it's it's a it's a combination of things that you have you have to be talented you have to be uh, a likable person. You have to have your business skills uh, and and be able to to, to carry yourself 
in in a meeting, uh, in 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 a courteous and professional manner, and and uh, uh, when when you're given a contract, of course you. You're gonna probably you're gonna have a manager or a lawyer to, to look it up, and it's the, the it's good it's a good process to to do that. But the the, the business aspect of things is it's very important. And the last thing that I would say that uh, is a, a recurring theme in the book is that of being an entrepreneur, um, because what we do. Uh, writing music from media basically is a commodity so you have to be able to sell your commodity and in order to sell your commodity you have to have an uh, be an entrepreneur and and know how to market yourself how to market your commodity and and be uh, uh, um, not, not be afraid of the competition because there's there's uh, thousands of others that can do can do it just as well as you, but be able to to be in a situation where uh, once you're in the meeting where you're going to market yourself, do it effectively, and that's being entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial is all about. I, I find it fascinating that you bring that up. First of all, it's a, a, an important subject around taxi's office. Um, so important that many of the libraries we work with have asked us to put language in the listings that say, uh, unless you've had the experience of working with production music libraries before and know the drill on contracts, et cetera, um, we'd strongly prefer that you don't submit to this. That's the libraries asking us to include that language to our members. And our members are upset by that, and rightfully so. If I paid for a service and 10 or 20% of the people requesting music through the service for saying hey we only want experienced composers they're not saying it because they want people who are oh experienced means you're a better composer which it may or it may not but they want experienced people who aren't going to do what i'm going to describe to you now which is somebody a taxi member had 51 pieces of music signed to a library it was a non-exclusive library at some point Another library heard his material and said, I'd like to sign it exclusively. So he called up the non-exclusive library and said, I want to take all 51 tracks out of my library because my contract says that I can. And now I'm going to sign them with this exclusive company. So even though contractually he could do that, it's still bad etiquette because, first of all, he burned a bridge with that first library. And if he were really smart and savvy about the business and entrepreneurial, he would have known that he what the, the correct answer would be, you know what, I did those cues two years ago. I'm a better composer now. Let me create 50 cues for you that are like those cues, but even better. And now you've got 100 of them in two libraries. And it also forced the first non-exclusive library into a situation where they had to reach out to everybody that had that music on a drive in their edit bays and say, please remove this cue, that cue, the other cue, and go down the line. That's an embarrassment. Yeah, yeah well, you see, Michael, uh, something like that creates an untenable situation. And it's so unprofessional and so it just... Uh, it not only burns the bridge; it just creates chaos. It's it's much more productive and much more wise 
like you said, write write new music. Let do not burn the bridge. Don't don't be uh, don't be a moron about it. You know, <laughs> and and <laughs> keep keep your connection with the with, with the non-exclusive library. Write new stuff for the other for the art for the other company, and. One thing I learned over the years is that the more eggs you have spread in, in many different baskets, then the more income you will have from all those different baskets. Why yes. why kick the basket away? This, that, that, that's crazy. Why would you do that? I mean, it, it, just think how, how, how you can expand, not how, not how you can contract, because what, what, you, what you just described right now is... is is shrinking what you have, not expanding what you have. That's very well said. That's a great point. Um, when you first started out as a taxi member, um, did you make some of the same mistakes that other new members make? For instance, uh, not reading the briefs or the listings carefully enough and submitting stuff that hit one of the points, well, yes, it's mid-tempo jazz. I'm sending it in. Yeah, but they wanted mid-tempo jazz from this region or that time period, and I didn't pay attention. So did you make those newbie mistakes, or, or were you already experienced enough that you didn't? I made more mistakes than I can find. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did because I, if I hadn't made those mistakes and I kept the same the same mindset that okay, whatever I do is right, which obviously wasn't, then I wouldn't have learned. And it's very important to uh, look to this day. It's important to be able to to read a brief and 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 decipher it for decipher it for what it really is. It, it could be from a library, it could be from a producer of a TV show. And I, I, I get those briefs today from the people that I work with because they share those briefs with me. Mm -hmm. And believe me, they're not that different from the, 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 the briefs that you... you that the taxi, taxi yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because in all probability, all that music is going to end up in a, in a TV show or a movie or something. So. Uh, you have to be able to, to to make sense of what is being asked of you, and um, if um, it, if you think it, it, it's not clear enough, I guess you can ask. But at the end of the day, read it once, read it twice, read it three times, and and, and try to 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 to, to, to because w when you read it, then you you probably let's say that they're asking you to do Greek music, okay. Greek music, there's the Greek music from the 20s, there's Repetigo Greek music, there's, there's all kinds of Greek music. So are you going to listen to every piece of Greek music that was uh, written ever uh, in existence? Uh, uh, no, you're going to have to uh, uh, read the brief and, uh, and try to make sense of what they're asking you. If they're looking for, uh, if you're looking for uh, like to write like uh, Zorba, then listen to that and 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 do that. Right. 
Um, speaking of which, uh, you told me before we went live on the air that you once did a dramedy klezmer piece, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, dramedy klezmer. Yeah. Klezmer is fiddler on the roof music, so a dramedy version of yeah. that. And two, of, you wrote two of them, they both got signed, and one of them has made you quite a bit of money over the years, which I find hysterical. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know, you know, I'm a, a, I go to a lot of Jewish weddings. I've heard a lot of klezmer music in my lifetime, but I had no <laughs> idea there was such a thing as dramedy klezmer. And look at you, um, you know, you made money with it. You're still making money from it. Um, I it was a taxi listing, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So many of them, speaking of taxi, many of the musicians who joined taxi quit after just the first year. And if we, you know, call them up randomly uh, and say, why didn't you renew? Uh, the answer is inevitably the same as I didn't make my $300 back. I thought I would pay $300 and make a thousand or something. You know, they think it's like, investing in pot futures or something i don't know um is it realistic to think when you join taxi that you're going to end up making more money than the 300 dollars you spent in your first year it's highly unlikely that uh, <laughs> that you will and uh i will look it's every musician has a dream okay <laughs> Every uh, everyone who's ever picked up a guitar or picked up a microphone and sang, uh, they, they all dream of making it big, of uh, of you know uh, having their music on MTV, doing a world world tours, and 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 I, I get that, I really do, and I was that person. Really thinking that, uh, well, you don't seem like. You don't seem like you have that kind of personality. Well, me, uh, let, let me rephrase that, meaning that I wanted to be successful. Okay, that I'll buy. Yeah, right, yeah. And uh, um, what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, it, it, just like anything, uh, and music is certainly, certainly no exception, in order to make money, you have to invest money. You have have to spend money to make okay and uh, as many uh, as you know uh, businessmen you ask who became successful okay a few of them can say that they made their money their investment uh, right away but most people will tell you that it took them a few years and music is no exception and Expecting to make those those, those three hundred bucks right away—it's—it's it's a very unrealistic uh, way of 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 thinking of of yourself in the long run. Because I have news for you: if you if you're in this for the long run, you're gonna be spending money for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether it's sample libraries, whether it's amps, whether it's guitars. <laughs> Whether it's the gas that you put in your car to take you to the gig, you're going to be spending money for the rest of your life. And uh, uh, it, it just so happens that it's a very competitive industry, whether you're a composer or a singer-songwriter or um, a anything that you do that has to do with music. Uh, you have to see 
from the from the from the lens of the, the long run lens, not just the six months or the the one year. You have to see it in in five years, in seven, in ten, fifteen, as long as it takes you, and uh, being. Be, having the mindset that okay, I spend you know three hundred bucks on taxi, or or you know I I I spend uh, um, uh, seven six hundred dollars on the on this uh, strings library, and I still haven't made any money uh, <laughs> out of it. So it, it's a uh, it's wasted money. Well, m maybe you think that it's wasted money, but you're wasting your time thinking that it's wasted money. <laughs> Great because observation. Because you, you're gonna be spending, you're gonna be spending money all your life, and uh, uh, I, I cannot begin to tell you how much I, I, I'm investing uh, in terms of my equipment, my sample libraries, uh, traveling, you know, coming to the United States, coming to the road rally, coming to LA, going to New York, going. It, it, it's it, there is, as far as I'm concerned. It worked for me, and I know many, many other people who do the same thing. And it's just not, it's very unrealistic to think that just because you spend 300 bucks on taxi that you, you've made it. No, you haven't. You just made, you, you made a small step in a very long journey. That's all you did. Ooh, that's a great quote. Mark that down, Liz. Um, Grandmaster, uh, I see you in the chat room um, talking about religious stuff, which I have no problem with people being religious. Many of my friends and family members are themselves, but this is not the time or the place. So please cool it or we'll have to remove you from the chat room. Liz, one more comment like that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm such, such a soft-hearted guy. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, new members oftentimes ask uh, when they get a critique back saying, man, this is pretty good. If only X, Y, or Z happened in this piece of music, I could afford it. And the members will say, but why doesn't the screener afford it anyway and let the person at the library or the producer of the TV show or the director on the movie, let them decide. If it's close, why can't they decide? Um, why can't taxi forward music that's close? Well, okay, it's a very good question. And uh, I can speak from experience because it, this has, uh, when I was submitting music, it, it happened to me many times. And uh, taxi is given the brief and taxi, of course, publishes the brief to the members, okay. Uh, the, the screeners, once they, I, I, I have every reason to believe that when the screeners read the, the briefs that uh, they have in front of them, and I know for a fact that the screeners know know very well how to do their job. I've met many of them over the years at uh, at their rally. They're not just people from uh, you know selling hot dogs out in the, out the street. <laughs> they're people who know who know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> if if the screener feels that the the cue, the piece of music, the song is close but no cigar, then they should not forward it because they they would just be wasting the time of the other person at the other end who's expecting 
music that fits the brief. So uh, it's better to send to send 50 cues or 50 songs that are 100% or 110% accurate towards the brief than inundate whoever is on the other end with 200 things that may or may not work. That's just a waste of time, a waste of resources, and it it, 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 it just creates that chaotic situation that we spoke about before. Yeah. Why should the other person have to sit through and listen to stuff that it just won't work? I, I, I have a great analogy that I keep telling people, friends that uh, and, and other composers who want to get into this. It's like you walk into, into a shoe store that, that sells um, uh, boots, okay? Or, or shoes, shoes in general, okay? And you're in there looking for a pair of green boots. Why you may ask green boots? Well, I like green boots, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I like green boots, okay? Now you go into the store and, and the shop owner tells you, I have red boots, I have brown boots, I have orange, I have any color but green, or I have this shade of green that it's not exactly green, and it's not the green that I have in mind, the customer. So why should the, the, the owner of the shop throw 50 different pairs of boots at me when I he cannot sell me what I want. I, 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 yeah, I use the shoe store analogy all the time. I actually worked in a shoe department in a department store and I, I've used that same example that if a lady comes in and says I need a size seven and a half potoswa pump with a three and a half inch heel in beige to go with my bridesmaid dress at my best friend's wedding next weekend I could bring out a pair of men's Basswegian penny loafers in cordovan brown <laughs> in a nine and a half D and say, these are spectacularly good shoes. Yeah, but they're for a dude, number one. They're the wrong color, number two. They don't have a heel, number three. Right, so everybody gets the story when you're talking about shoes, but musicians, because they're, they have a creative soul and an ego that goes along with that, they can't accept the fact that their thing is not right for that foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, as I said a little earlier, you have to be open and and gracefully accept criticism, even though you be, you think you may you may be close, so close to nailing it. But if you have if you haven't nailed it, it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person or you you know you're going to be hanged or burned in effigy. You know, it's just that you just somebody else was chosen and that, that such is life you know such is life and uh, the, the other person does not have to be be inundated and be exposed to things that may the, the, those 300 other pairs of shoes that they're, they're not a good fit for them no they want those red shoes they should get those red shoes and nothing else absolutely um I hear this from a lot of our members, uh, our successful composer members, many of whom are your friends, that they find it ironic <clears throat> that they put all this effort into becoming, not into becoming a great composer, they put all this effort into a particular piece and they gave it all the bells and whistles 
And then some other piece only had like two or three instruments in it. It's very stripped down and they banged it out in 45 minutes. And that's the one that makes them money consistently year after year after year. Have you also had that experience that you've found maybe overall it's the simpler stuff that tends to get used the most? <laughs> that's a great question, Michael. Um, the this is a quote from the book actually that I'm going to say now uh, uh, complicated is easy and easy is hard <laughs> writing complicated music can be very easy but writing easy music can be very hard that, that, that's the meaning of this quote and uh, I will agree that uh, as far as I'm concerned many many times a lot many of the simplest cues that I have ever written were the ones that actually worked uh, like a charm uh, in terms of getting placed uh, when uh, whether it was library library music or as writing now the episodic TV because what both of those things have in common whether whether it's library or episodic is that once they end up in any TV show any piece of music you write will be competing sonically competing with a whole bunch of other things with dialogue being the king mm -hmm. so your music ideally should never compete dialogue uh, and uh, also sound effects and uh, there's also ambience there's so many things that music can can make or break a scene in terms of if your music clutters the scene or or conflicts with the dialogue then nine out of ten times no let me rephrase that 20 out of 10 times your music will not be chosen <laughs> yeah and and uh, it's there's there's uh, there's many things to be said about simplicity and and being on point writing on point, not 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 exaggerating. Just think uh, that we write uh, for media, whether it's TV, films, or, or video games. It's it, it complements whatever else is happening on top. It's not the top. Right. You should never think like that. That music is at the top. Which is Unless, hard. Which is something different. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, 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 but you have to be in the mindset. Absolutely. And you have to remember what your job is. Not what your place is, but what your job is. Because musicians are like, oh, man, they don't care about the music. Well, they do care about the music, but they want it to enhance the whole thing. Um, and support the mood and support the scene. Maybe add a, you know a, an up-tempo thing to enhance the action, or maybe a, a thing with a lot of minor sevenths to enhance the tragedy in something or depression. But it's not the actor. It's not the dialogue, and it's not the story. Yes, one hundred percent. And uh, the. There's a great term for, for what we, for the music that we do, and that term is underscore, underscore. <laughs> it's under, 
it's not over okay and you, you have to keep that in mind and a lot of times to to be able to achieve that is is through simplicity and uh, I cannot be, begin to tell you how many times I've had cues that I, I thought the, this cue is the easiest thing I've ever put together and musically most likely the worst thing I put together <laughs> <laughs> but that cue has made so much money that I'm so glad I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> that we hear that story a lot. Matt Hertz got one uh, that he wrote many, many years ago, and he said it was like the simplest, most stripped-down thing. Banged it out quickly, and I could, Matt. If you ever see this episode, please don't hate me if I misquote you here. But I want to say that he once told me it earns like eight or nine thousand dollars a year from just that one simple cue. So yeah. I, uh, you know, when we spoke earlier, we we spoke about the the TV show Catfish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have a bunch of music on on, on Catfish, but one cue that I, I I wrote many years ago, probably seven eight years ago, but right in the beginning when I was uh, when I was uh, just getting my first forward, forwards with Taxi, uh, that cue that uh, I wrote, which is probably three stereo tracks nothing more than that i'm probably a sequence of playing and something uh, it was uh i'll send it to you at some okay. point <laughs> yeah because it's it, it, it it's a monument to what, I, what i'm about to say right now that very simple cue which by the way is called quirkylicious quirkylicious i love it has yeah has bought me most of this stuff that you see <laughs> behind From you one cue from that cue, yeah, that wow. simple, uh, no-brainer cue that I thought, okay, a monkey can do that, and a monkey probably did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Speaking of how much money you've spent, you know, I think a lot of people don't even attempt to learn how to make music for media because they think that they need a very fancy studio with like you know walls built within walls and all kinds of heavy duty acoustic treatments um and tons of outboard gear in a console you can't see it right now but i'm sitting in front of a neve console um that's green screened in but you know they, they get this impression that they need all this stuff when you started out did you have all this stuff that you do now no 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 I, my, my beginnings were very humble. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, I can honestly say that, first of all, I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I learned, okay? I keep saying that. I, I, I learned, I was inspired by so many wonderful people. We, we mentioned their names, you know, and I, I'm gonna make a shout out now. Please forgive me. Uh, you know, John Mazay, Matt Hurt, uh, Chuck Schlachter, um, uh, so many cool people that I've met and I've been inspired by them. And, and, and we, one, everyone was kind of feeding off of each other, you know, and uh, just uh, it, it, like we said before, 
it doesn't happen overnight and it's it's a it's a slow process that you have to you're not going to you know mortgage your house to to buy to have a neat console in, in the beginning just buy a few two or three uh decent sample libraries uh learn them well um you know, uh, all these companies now, they, they before they, they release a, li a library, they, they most likely they, they, they give it up for free in the beginning or or, or they, they, they give it, they make demo versions for, for free. Get as many free stuff as you can, buy some stuff as well, and uh, start building slowly. Once the money starts coming in, then invest in the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You, you don't have to break the, ba the bank right away to be able to uh to do this uh and uh it it's it certainly can help if if you have all this stuff laying uh on, on your on, on your hard driving and being able to to recall um any preset you know right away i mean especially now that i do the 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 uh episodic tv stuff yes i do need everything and and i I spend a lot of money on, on those things, but that's uh, I'm able to do it now. And also, there's if I want to compete now, I kind of have to do it. Right. Yeah, but, but you know, you're spending money to make money, but you were already making the money before you started spending it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Tell but tell. In order to, yeah, to, to 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 get in to get started with taxi and writing the listings, all you do is all you need is two or three decent libraries and work your way up from that. What would you start out with today if you were a brand new taxi member, but you had the knowledge that you've got now about different libraries? Which ones would you purchase as your like everyday go-to library? I would probably. Right away, start with uh, Native Instruments Contact. Um, th that and most probably Omnisphere, but I would I would say uh, Contact first, Native mm. Instruments Contact, because yeah, Contact. Uh, besides the 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 Contact is, is basically a sample player or or a synth sample player, and uh, uh, the. Besides all the libraries that the, the, the company Native Instruments makes uh, in-house that work with Contact, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of third-party developers who write incredibly uh, useful and musical libraries that work within Contact right away. Uh, I would say that uh, Three quarters of that I own runs on contact, wow. and uh, it's it, yeah, it's become such an incredibly popular popular library. Not not just on the user base, but on the developer base. Uh, contact that I would thoroughly recommend investing in in, in contact, and uh, once you invest invest in in contact, then buying libraries from the third party developers because there's such an incredible amount of good stuff that's uh, being sold uh, um, uh, for, for, that works in contact. Um, and do you, are you Pro Tools or Logic or something else for your DAW? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm using Digital Performer. Really? And, and yes. 
And do the other composers that you work with as part of a team also use digital performer or is it okay to intermarry, uh, you know, you create a track on digital performer and then send it to them and they work it on, they take the session, put it in Pro Tools? A couple of them do, yeah, but uh, it's uh, um, like Hans Zimmer once said, it, it's not uh, what uh, what do you have, it's what you do with it that right. uh, that works. So it, at the end of the day, as, as long as what comes out of here and, and I send out way should sound they they don't really care what i use um, and there, there's no compatibility issue uh, going back and forth not really uh sometimes when um uh, the couple of guys who actually use digital performer we may we may exchange the entire session uh instead of just the audio files they may session and they just opens right away in mine but even if they don't send me this, if somebody works in Logic or Pro Tools, all they need to send me is the audio files, and then, or, or I need to send them my audio files because at the end of the day, that's 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 what gets used. The the wave files and uh, you're talking about the mix. Whatever. You're talking about the mix. You're not sending full sessions to anybody. Just all they want is the mix. And if your lead composer hears something and goes doesn't really work with the first 20 minutes of the show that I composed. Can you go back and add more Christmas bells because it's a holiday episode? That kind of stuff happens? Yeah, yeah. It could be the entire mix or it could be stems because a lot of times I, I, I'm required to, to stem everything out. It, it just it may not be the entire mix. I, send, I, I stem everything out and I also stem my aux buses. Uh, so that uh, they can have the dry version and the effect version as well. And now I've got to ask you because I know guitar, other than Monica, guitar, and your children, of course, um, guitars are the love of your life. Uh, what are your two or three favorite guitars? Uh, I've always kind of been a Fender guy. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, uh, to be able to do, to do what I do now, I, I have a bunch. I mean, I have, um, of course, Les Paul, I have PRS, I have my Fenders, I have a whole bunch of acoustics. I mean, I even have a ukulele. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, different uh, different guitars sound different. And it's not, I, I uh, let's say if I'm doing a, a, a metal cue, uh, a heavy metal cue. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna use the Fender, uh, the, the Stratocaster. It just won't cut it, you know. And it really depends on 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 what sound you're trying to uh, to achieve. But the let me just get my my Fender on the on the shot for a moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sweet. I've got to tell you, my uh, this guitar makes money. <laughs> my father-in-law was given a Strat in that exact same finish. The first year, whatever the first year was that they made Strats, he was a kid. His parents bought him one for Christmas, and he still has the original Strat from back in the, like. 
I don't know what the first year was, 55 or 60, no, it was before 65, whatever that was, he still has it. Are you has, kidding me, really? He still has it, and the only thing wrong with it is little chrome is off the tuning keys. He pulls it out once a year, plays a couple of Christmas songs on it, puts it back in the original case, puts it away for a year. So he's had that thing forever. Anyway, um, I digress, but I also drool. <laughs> you know, I've only seen it once, but it's... I know, yeah. I know. Um, let's see. We've still got three minutes left. Um, oh. I'm looking to see if there's anything I have. Oh, let's spend the next couple of minutes talking about how you expanded the genres that you work in. Um, I remember you mentioned that you were comfortable in a couple, and then you figured out pretty soon that you had to learn several others or many others. How do you go about expanding your musical vocabulary and learning the other genres okay I'll start by saying that uh, one of the biggest benefits I've had uh, when uh, since joining taxi back in the day was that uh, uh, I, I've tried so many times to to get out of my comfort zone and write for things that I would I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to do uh, uh, genres that I wouldn't dare to do and uh, you know, looking back at it now and connecting the doors, that that has been. You know, I've been to Berkeley, but the, 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 those years of writing every day in all those different genres, they have I've learned so much in 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 terms of being able to execute something and do it realistically. And it hasn't. If it hadn't been for Taxi, I I, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Wow. Back to the question, though. <laughs> Um, basically, you, when you listen to uh, to air, to any piece of music, and you know you have basic knowledge of uh, music harmony and theory and things like that, and you start to make a piece of work in the genre that it, it's it's been uh, written in, then uh, you, you, once you you figure those those little bits and pieces out, then you, you either try to play them effectively, whether it's on a guitar or I don't know, maybe on the piano, and 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 try to experiment and 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 uh, uh, record, try again and try again and, and see whether what you have sounds remotely close or close enough to the thing that you heard initially. Okay, so uh, I guess since YouTube. And Spotify now have any piece of music, anything you can imagine and beyond. All you need to do is listen with a tickle ear and try to 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 figure out the, the the big the big elements or the smaller elements that make any piece of music sound the way it sounds. It could be the production, it could be the instruments, it could the melody, it could be the harmony, it could be the, the rhythm, the, the the tempo so all these things together they make up a piece of music and uh, the more you do it the better you become at it for sure well you've clearly become good at it um, we're we're at the end of the show we've run out of time but please hold up the book I want people to buy this book 
It's not a how-to. The interesting thing is the book doesn't say if you want to score a dramedy cue, do this. There are a couple of other great books out there that we all know that do that very effectively. But yeah, no, keep, yeah, keep, yeah. Hold, keep holding it up. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> this book is like reading Paul Zolo's classic book, Songwriters on Songwriting. This is composers on composing. And there's so yep. much to be learned from reading their own words. How many? You've got like three dozen interviews or something in there. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. And, and not just composers, industry people, right. uh, music supervisors, uh, agents, managers, lawyers, music editors. Anyone who's anyone in the music industry is in this very book right here. Well, you could have left the lawyers out. <laughs> Uh, I definitely want to have you on a panel at the Road Rally. You are not only a delightful person and adorable, I might say, but um, you are... Likewise. (laughs) Thank you. You are such a good guy, and and you're like the heart of every taxi member. Um, Everybody should emulate what you do because you do it with such honesty and grace and tenacity and all that stuff. I just I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that from that first time I met you at the road rally, that huge smile on your face till this moment right now, I could not be more proud of you. Um, just congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I uh, I've always I've always uh, held you in the highest regards uh, myself, and uh, you've always been a stand-up guy and. Uh, I would just like to say that the industry needs more people like you. Oh, thank you, Adonis. Um, we can hope. I mean, it's a big compliment, <laughs> but yes, I, it's just, it's so much easier to be honest and nice. I find it easier. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let's make it a date for the rally then. Absolutely, which I believe it's November 3rd through the 7th in Los Angeles live this year. The only thing that will stop us is if there's like another major COVID outbreak and, and things get really bad again, then we would go virtual. But we're determined to do it live this year. We've signed the contract with the hotel um, and talking to members, people want to come. Um, so I think it's going to be amazing. Really what they want to come for is to meet people like you. What, what a thrill it would be for a brand new member to get you as their mentor at the road rally or to sit down and have lunch or a beer with you. That would be amazing. And you will see me maybe before the rally because I should be back out here sometime during the summer and uh, maybe I'll take my wife for a little weekend trip to Cyprus and come and say hi. Lunch is on me. Okay, I'll hold you to that. I look forward to meeting Monica as well and, and your teenage daughter so I can give them a stern lecture about being nice to their daddy. <laughs> okay, anyway, great. Adonis, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for staying up so late. For Adonis and me, it's uh, 11.34 p.m. right now. So thank you, buddy. I appreciate it a bunch. Um, I'll send you a link when it's up on YouTube and uh, let's talk sooner than later, okay? It's been a pleasure. Have a good night uh, and uh, my regards to your family as well. Thank you, Adonis. Adonis Electris, ladies and gentlemen.